change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podskiwiwi. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. All right, Mike. Uh, before we get into what was a Ticats loss and a terrible game, uh, just a quick update for everyone. Uh, there will be no t-shirt giveaway this week. Uh, the website I use to randomize who wins every week, as soon as I went to load everything up today before we recorded, it uh, it wouldn't load. So don't, don't fret. Uh, we will still... Take the answers from last week's show, which our question was, what 1990s cartoon did Mike and I spend way too much time discussing on the show this past week? Uh, The answer was King of the Hill. Uh, A lot of people got it. A lot of people said we didn't talk about it enough. So I guess uh, maybe we should turn this into a King of the Hill podcast. Talk more about that. People seem to like our, our chat about King of the Hill. And I luckily and happily saw that a lot of people liked King of the Hill, which was pretty cool. So I, uh, I guess it wasn't just you and I that have sort of uh, had a renewed interest in that show. But uh, yeah, so no t-shirt giveaway this week. We will do two next week. So if you answered last week, those answers will still count. And if you answer this week, you'll just have your name put in twice and have double the chances of winning. So I, th- I think that's fair for everyone, right, Mike? Like I'm, I, I wish I want to do another shirt giveaway this week, but you know, the thing I'm using just doesn't seem to want to work today, which is uh not not to get into my personal life, but man, it's been a hell of a day today, and that's just uh, icing on the the crap cake, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, fair yeah, fair that we wait a week uh, and do a double giveaway. Technology just doesn't go in your favor, so yeah. uh, we will be giving double the shirts away next week. Yeah, so don't worry, everyone's still going to get a chance to win one of our many many shirts that are still sitting here right beside me in my uh, my office slash computer room. But I guess we got to talk about the game. Um, the Ticats lost 17-16 on Friday night. I know we're getting to this on a Wednesday. It's it's late in the week. Their next game's on Friday, so it's two weeks it's two days away. This just wasn't a very interesting game, quite frankly. And Mike, you kind of wanted the floor to sort of discuss not just this game in general, but sort of the the state of play in the CFL. So before we kind of get into the specifics of this game, uh the floor is yours, buddy. CFL we have a problem. Gone are the days of QBs passing for close to 6,000 yards. Gone are the days of creative offenses. Gone are the days of passing the ball more than 10 yards down the field. Gone are the days of the offensive lines being able to block for more than two seconds. Gone are the days of faking a handoff on second or third and short and passing the ball down the field for a big gain. Gone are the days of aggressive coaches like Matthews and Lancaster. Gone are the days of a game with great flow because of flags on every other play. Gone are the days of entertainment, high-scoring, traditional CFL football. Gone are the days of me arguing with NFL fans that we have a more entertaining product of football. For those reasons, CFL, we have a problem. Very well said. Um, so this comes about from your, your tweet. 
is that was that sort of where this uh you kind of had this epiphany yeah and it's it's a, it's been a long time coming um i've been noticing this for you know many years and it's not a competition between cfl and the nfl and all that but i, I just want to see the cfl go get, go back to its glory days you know i want to be entertained um and i've not been entertained this year so far i know they were off for a year i get it but we're five games in now and the football is still bad I mean, I I haven't been to a good Edmonton Elks game in like ten games. It's it's been bad football for like ten games. The last game I was at that entertained me, you know. Granted, it was the Ticats game, but I can I can see that it, it was an actual entertaining game, and that was that was a while ago. So I mean, I'm bringing people to the games. I'm telling them it's going to be a good time, and then it just isn't. Um, I mean, we have fun at the games, but but not because of the football being played on the field. Uh, I think. The CFL is a big problem. If we don't have an entertaining product, what do we have? So I, I'm not saying that it can't be fixed. I think it can be fixed. But some some things have to change. I'm not sure what it is. But, you know, the NFL has a, a rules committee every year. They're making changes every year to improve the entertainment of the product. We need this in the CFL. When do you think – because I agree with you. I completely agree with you. Um I think the excuse that they were off a year is I think it's a crutch that fans of the league will are kind of holding on to at some point that's got to go away. Like how long are we going to give that, that credence where it's like, well, they didn't play for a year. It's like these, some of the, a lot of the, the like they're professional athletes for crying out loud. They, they didn't spend the last year not staying in shape or not working out or not mm-hmm. working on their crap. You know what I mean? Like it's not like they just sat at home for, 12 months and and got fat and got out of shit you know what i mean like these guys still trained as if they were they were professional athletes because they are professional athletes but the 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 days of of people to me i I, and and i see it because like most recently the like last weekend was the first week of the nfl season and and you know you you see all the tweet if you follow any american people there are a lot of like oh football's back and you see a lot of people being like football was back a month ago or or in the past was like Mm -hmm. football was back in june and it's like I don't know. There is definitely an inferiority complex amongst a lot of CFL fans. Um, the whole competition with you, like I, I saw a tweet from someone. I can't remember who it was. Said like you can like the NFL and like the CFL and like college football and like Canadian college football. You can like you're mm-hmm. allowed to like it all. You don't have to choose one. But there always seems to be this competition between like oh if you like the NFL you're not a true CFL fan or if you like the CFL you don't you, you're like crappy football and it's like. None of that's true, but the product on the field this season has been awful. Um, I've been less and less interested in in games this year. Uh, normally, it, three, four years ago, I would clear my schedule if there was a CFL game on to sit down and make sure I watch the game. Now I'm like, I'll catch the highlights if I'm if I have something else I'd rather do. And maybe this is also a product of of not having a season last year as well. I, I gained more interest in other stuff. So it's like, well, I'm going to go to the movies or, or no, I will go out and, and do this thing. Or like, you know, like I, not that I like, I still watch the CFL. Like if there's a game on and I'm not doing anything, I'll especially watch it. I always make time to watch the Ticats games, of course. Um, but it, it just hasn't interested me. And I think the play on the field is, is a large part of that. The NFL has like, there was no game. in I've not seen a single game in the CFL this year that matched the game between, I don't know if you watched it, the Cleveland Browns and Kansas City Chiefs from this past Sunday was one of the best football games I have 
I have watched in quite some time. It was one of the most enjoyable games. It was back and forth. It was big plays. It was wide open football. There was plays on special teams. There were great plays on defense. That's what the CFL used to be. And I don't know when the change happened, but it guys like Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, going back a few years, Robert Griffin III, Cam Newton, yeah, some of those guys would have made the NFL, but Russell Wilson would have been a CFL quarterback in 1997. Would he not have been five foot ten, six foot if he's lucky? Super mobile, but undersized. Came out of a relatively big school, but was a mid round draft. He, like, he wouldn't have been a draft pick in the NFL in the 90s. He would have played in Canada. He would have been Doug. Fl- he, he was he's Doug Flutie. Is he not like he's same size, has the same sort of skill set, big arm, likes to move around, mm-hmm. but now he's playing in the NFL. So. The NFL adapted and kind of became what the CFL was 25 years ago. Spread offenses, lots of lots of big plays, fast players. And the CFL's kind of... Not that they don't have great players. There's a, a ton of great players in the CFL. But they're kind of being left behind when it comes to the entertainment aspect. I, I, I find myself more... I'm invested in the CFL because I'm Canadian, but I'm more entertained by the NFL product right now. Yeah, and... and- I watch every CFL game I can. Uh, I still watch it, even though I'm disappointed with what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't get me wrong; like I still love the CFL. It's the most, you know, important brand of football to me still. Um, I'm just getting more enjoyment watching NCAA football on Saturdays and NFL football on Sundays. And who knows? Maybe after this rant, like with my luck, there'll be like four yeah. spectacular CFL games um, this weekend. And I hope that's the case. But um, it's just it's just been ugly for the first five or six weeks of the season, and I just want it. I want my old CFL football back. I want to be entertained. I want um, you know quarterbacks to be throwing for fifty five hundred yards a season. But it, it's tough when the offensive lines like, and it's not all on the offensive lines. I get that the QB injuries are not all on the offensive lines. Like Mazzoli, um, two years ago, he was running outside of the pocket. It was just a fluke type of thing. But quarterbacks are getting hit, they're getting pounded, and they're getting injured, and that hurts the product as well. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the fix is. Maybe you have to limit the a number of Americans you put on one side of the football. Like you have to put three Canadians on the offense and four on the defense, or or whatnot. But um, yeah, I, uh, something needs to be done because this is uh, not good football right now. And the ratings are still good, but if it continues this way, I bet you they're going to drop pretty pretty harsh. Do you think that there's less there's a there's a there's more of a fear of mistakes? Like you talked about, sort of like the dink and dunk, and the you know what I mean, like the oh they they'll do like five yards, let the receiver because like when you think about back in the day, they were chucking all around the field. There was a lot of interceptions thrown. Like, do you think that there there's this fear amongst amongst players or amongst coaches even that they're 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 too afraid to to air it out for fear of 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 making a mistake? Like, you, you, does that you, does that make sense? Like, we're now so focused on like touchdown interception ratio and la- like turnovers and all that stuff. Do you do you, you kind of see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I think that's a problem. I think that um, coaches aren't aggressive enough, um, and that could be you know. Um, not wanting to take a chance, not wanting to turn over the ball. Like even our coach, uh, Steinhauer, obviously love him, great coach. I don't think he takes enough chances when it's third and inches 
or third and one. He just it's just an automatic punt. Have you noticed? Okay, you know what? I, I don't mean to cut you off. Have you noticed that a lot that you've seen? And not, I, I have seen it with Steinhauer, but I've seen it in some of the other games I've watched, where uh, if it's like third and one and one quarter yard, they're punting instead yeah. of going for it. That was almost never yes. the case. No, and I see these other brands of football like. College football is a totally different animal and all that, but I see fourth and seven and they're going for it. Like, yeah, why can't we have? Like, I'm not saying you should be going for it on third and five or anything above that, mm-hmm. but like on third and one, on third and two, like, especially if it, if you're on the side, like if you have good field position, you know, you turn over the ball there, it's not a big deal as if you were at your 20 yard line or 30 yard line. Um, I want to see coaches go for it more often. I want to see them stay on the field and not punt. The number and this is one of the biggest uh, criticisms, um, you know, people that don't like the CFL say. There's too many punts. And I get it now. There is way too many punts, especially this year. Um, and there's not any excitement on the punt returns. There hasn't been a, a ton of, you know, uh, touchdowns or big returns. So I would like to see coaches gamble more often. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's kind of dovetails nicely into, I, I think we can start talking about the game. And speaking of gambling... Mm-hmm. They, the Ticats were down 17-10 and when Dane Evans gets hurt, and we'll talk about Dane Evans' injury next because that's obviously the main story from the game, but I think this is just a nice segue. They get a miracle touchdown drive with, like, what, 40 seconds left, 30? Like, it was almost no time at all. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was two minutes, but it was, like, next to no time at all. And they score a touchdown, and it's like, Jesus Christ, they, oh, my God, they're going to tie this game. I'm sitting on my couch. Now, granted, this is also couched with, I had to get to get to work at 6 a.m. the next day, and it's 1030 at night. I'm just like, go for two. Go for two to win the game, <laughs> because if at least if you miss it, you try to win the game. And what happens next? They send out the, ex, they send out the kicker for an extra point, and he doinks it off the, what, right upright? And I'm like, now I'm just pissed, because it's like, at least if you would have gone for two, because here's the thing, David Watford's in there. It was a damn, and this is no slight to David Watford, but he's essentially a third-string quarterback who's really only on the team because Mazzoli got hurt and now Evans is hurt. We know what he is. He's he's a good short yardage guy. He's a decent quarterback, but he's not a guy that's going to win you a game. It was a damn miracle that they were able to get the one touchdown. Do you really think in overtime they were going to score another one? Guys, I didn't. I thought if they kicked the extra no. point and tied it, at best, it was going to be a tie game. At worst, they were going to lose in overtime. So I'm thinking, you know what? Go for two now. Take the chance. What do you have to lose? You've barely been in this game at all anyway. It was a slog of a game to get through. Neither team played particularly well. You have a chance. Go for two. Get the two. If you miss it, so be it. you got to try the onside kick anyway. But if you if you make it, you're up. Then now you force the Argos to drive. I and the defense by that time had been playing pretty damn well. It that second half of the game, I thought the Ticats defense really stepped up and limited. I mean, they after what the first quarter it was fourteen nothing, maybe fourteen seven, or at least maybe early through the second quarter. And the Argos only scored seventeen. They had three points for like the last like forty something minutes of the game. So the defense had done its job. There's no way you have to think. Okay, we we score the touchdown, we get the two points, we're up eighteen seventeen. Our defense is playing lights out, even though they were on the field for like 100 minutes. And I know I'm being obviously hyperbolic, but they were on the field, it seems like, all goddamn game. Mm-hmm. They're not going to drive down the field and get it, and get it, you pin them deep and, and make your defense win the game. I, that's what I would have done. Talk about going, like, I know you're not, I'm always go for two. I know you're not always go for two, but you want to talk about gambling, taking a chance. That was the perfect opportunity to do it. Yeah, I mean, 
I was happy with them going for one because uh, I thought that he'd kick it through the uprights, but obviously well, yeah. it did not happen. So um, hindsight, you know, I would agree with you that they should have just gone for two because um, that was just embarrassing. Yeah, it but, was. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one one area where going aggressive could have won you a game that you should not have won. Yeah, with the way the Argos played to start that game, it should have been over by halftime. But then they crept back in, they did enough to keep it close, and then the miracle of all miracles, they essentially were about to tie the game. But the reason they were in that spot, Dane Evans gets hurt. And what was once the envy of the league when it came to quarterback depth has now been completely eviscerated. Mazzoli's hurt. Evans is hurt. I think I saw somewhere that he's expected to be out four to six weeks, which, I mean, considering how he looked coming off the field, I thought, and the way everyone went over to him, did you get thoughts of Zach Caleros bouncing through your head? Because that's exactly what I thought. With the way he looked and with everyone consoling him, I thought his knee was shredded. He was done for the year. Yeah, I definitely thought that it was uh, a season-ending injury. Um, you know, he, the, the, pain, the amount of pain that was on his face uh, – Definitely screamed to me, uh, he's out for the season. Yeah, and so, I mean, I guess the four- to six-week diagnosis is good in in that, you know what I mean, in that scenario, but yeah, it really kind of cast a pall over the whole game where I almost forgot, and I know it's been a few days, obviously, almost a week since the game happened, so it's not like it's fresh in my mind, but it was just, here we go again. I We've been talking the last couple of weeks how we thought that this was Dane's team now. I had... I ready to piece that was going to be published on three down probably this earlier this week that, okay, I, we've seen him in three games and this is what he's looked like. It's, it, it's time for, but I had to scrub the piece because now, now we don't know how he's good. Like with the injury, it's just like, you got to be kidding me. And obviously this goes without saying, but we'll say it anyway. We wish him a speedy recovery. Um, I don't think he played particularly well in this game, but I think that some of that was due to, in my opinion, some, some pretty, Suspect play calling by Tommy Condell. I wasn't too happy with some of the some of the things that he did. Um, the offensive line was atrocious. And once again, the, the one game kind of blip where they looked really good on Labor Day seems to have gone away. But I thought they were bad in this one again. Um, they kept calling plays deep down the field. And I know this kind of flies in the face of what we talked about off the hop with saying we want to see more excitement. But when you don't have the hogs up front to hold off the defensive front, to make those long plays, it's kind of hard to make that part of your game plan. And I think they tried too much stuff downfield and it was, I think ultimately what ended up getting Evans hurt is he just took too many hits. Um, and it was just, it was too much. Like you just, you can't, if you don't have the players to make the plays work, you gotta try. And I know they were doing something different than they did on labor day, but I think trying to get these chunk plays too often just, just didn't work. No, it it definitely did not, and uh, they didn't run the ball enough either. Uh, you know, on Labor Day, they handed off the ball to multiple receivers, um, and they gained Yeah, where was that in this game? It was nowhere to be. I think they had, like, one of those plays that they did that I can remember. But other than that, and I understand you don't want to, you know, come in with the exact same game plan that you did. No, but before. if it worked, at least try it again. Exactly, exactly. At least try it again. And uh, make these guys guess at what you're going to do. I mean, Dane Evans had three carries. Uh, Sean Thomas Lincoln had four carries. Jackson Bennett had one carry. They know what you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to pass. They just, they knew it. And uh, it showed because, you know, Dane Evans was under pressure the whole, 
the whole game. The offensive line is not good. Yarborough, not good. Uh, Okafor, not good. Okay, these these I don't understand why they just neglected the offensive line in the offseason. Protect your quarterback, man. Like, who cares about Tavir Posey? You know, like, we don't need another receiver if the, the offensive line stinks. And I know that they probably had faith in these young guys on the offensive line, but they're just not good enough. This is a big problem. I'm, I'm worried this team isn't going to make the playoffs because of this offensive line mostly. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair criticism. I think the... I I th- how do I say this without coming off as an amateur GM? I question the roster building that happened. And maybe Riker Matthews told him, I don't want to be here anymore. I have a hard time believing that. But like you said, like and this is not a shot at Devere Posey, but he's he's a luxury, not a need. When you mm-hmm. when you have because going into the season, I'm, I'm discounting 2020 because I know they signed Posey going into 2020, but he then ended up being a free agent again. When you have Banks, then you bring back Braylon Addison, and you already have Jalen Acklin, and you have young guys on, like, I mean, we haven't even seen Devere Posey play yet. So it's not like his signing has, has taken an offense that was great and made it even better. We haven't seen him on the field. We don't know what it's going to be like. Unless Riker Matthews told him to pound sand... The money you probably gave Posey and then some could have gone to to Riker Matthews. You saved money at kicker because Liram Hyrula, who's not here, and that's a whole other conversation that we might need to have because they need to find a kicker because no matter who they put back there, they haven't been good enough. Michael Domagala, no offense. I don't think he's a professional place kicker in this league. I thought he did a tremendous job punting on short notice, but we already have a pretty darn good punt. I think the punter, the Australian guys, is is decent enough. You can't miss an extra point in that situation. I I understand a lot of things happened in the game, but you had a chance to tie the game and you didn't. It cost them the game. I'm, I, I, yeah, no, no one play cost them the game. Well, when it's an extra point to tie the game, that late in the game, I think you can say it cost them the game. Now, maybe they wouldn't have won anyway, but they at least would have had an opportunity and they didn't have it. They need to find a new kicker. You mentioned Okafor. You mentioned Jarborough. You're right. They're not, they're not good enough. The offensive line in general has not been good enough, but when you have weak points especially at left tackle, and this is not a knock on him. Maybe he, he's better suited to play right tackle. Maybe Or maybe he's not just not good enough to play in the CFL. Like That's entirely possible too. But they neglected the offensive line, and now it's biting them in the ass. It, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, maybe they were blinded by that 15-3 and three season and thought that, you know, they had the guys and they could just plug and play type deal. But that's not the case it's not the case right now and there's no quick fix i know we said this before but you know there's not many guys out there you can just grab on the offensive line and bring them in and then you know poof it's all better so yeah i'm worried i am worried were you are you more frustrated by this loss than the previous two because i am am. because yeah i absolutely am you know you win two in a row they look better and then it, it seems like we've took you know three steps backwards now um the maybe we got too happy over those two wins and and you know ignored that there's still gaping holes on this team and uh yeah it's just uh, it's very stress it was a very frustrating loss because i 
I think it goes without saying. I think at this point in the season, it's fair to say Winnipeg's the class of the league right now. I don't think... So losing to them, I don't think is any great alarm bells ringing, sort of like, oh my God, they lost to Winnipeg. Like, it's not like you lost to Ottawa. And going into Saskatchewan and winning is always difficult. Um, I even, even when I said at the beginning of the season they were going to go undefeated, I always pegged those first two games, and I was like, those are two of the three most difficult games on their schedule. Uh, the one I had third is, is the one coming up. Um, I think I still think they're better than Toronto. Like, I think, top to bottom, I think they're better. I mean, they lost their... They had to play with their third-string quarterback and lost by a point. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I'm not trying to say this as any sort of knock on the Argos, because I think I think these two teams are going to finish with very similar records, and I think the head-to-head between these two is what's going to ultimately decide who wins the division, and you're going to have Montreal in there as well. Like, I think the East is going to be a lot tighter than it was, and I think a lot of that is due to Hamilton not wreaking expectations. But, I mean, in 10 weeks, we could be sitting here and talking about the Ticats as first in the East, and everything will be fine, but... This loss to me was more frustrating because we just saw what happened on Monday and what worked. And yes, we, we say you don't try the same thing multiple times because you don't want to go into the game with the same game plan. But like I said, if at least give it a shot because if they didn't stop it then, who's to say they can stop it now? If it works again, just keep doing it. Like, mm-hmm. why over... And this is what I think, and it kind of you know goes back into your point about the CFL maybe not being as exciting is I think the coaches have become too, too, uh, too much of the central focus. It's less on the players on the field and more on the coaches and what the coaches can do. And it's like, maybe these geniuses need to take a step back and just let the players play. Like back in the day, guys called their own plays and we got some of the most exciting football we've ever seen in this country. And now we have such, micromanaging almost that I think that that's part of the part of that sort of conversation of what sort of held the game back as well. And I think in a game like this, yes, I understand you're playing the same team and you don't want to show them the same stuff and you're, but if they can't stop it, why would you stop doing like, you know what I mean? Like why stop doing something that you know, they can't stop or at least haven't proven they can stop. You just decide not to do it because you don't want to do this. Like if, if I was a coach and maybe this is why I'm not a coach and I had stuff that was working, I do it. Every single time until you told me you could stop it. And we hear commentators say it all the time. It's like if a guy, if you're handing the ball off and a guy's gashing the defense for 10 yards, like why the Argos got away from running the football when John White and what's the other guy's name, Foster, were just absolutely yep. shredding them? Like John White had, must have had more yards in the, in the first series of this game than he did the entirety of Labor Day. If he's picking up 12 yards a clip, why are you even throwing the ball? I know it's like, oh, you got to mix it up and you got to change it. Why? Why do you have to change anything? The San Francisco 49 again, I, I know we're kind of, I'm getting a little off topic here, but the 49ers in a playoff game threw the ball eight times because the defense could not stop the run. Who gives a crap how you win the game if you win the game? If the defense can't stop what you're doing, keep doing it. Why the Argos got away from the run, I'll have no clue. Why the Ticats didn't do similar stuff to what they did on Labor Day, like you said, you mentioned the receiver runs. I have no idea. And again, maybe this is why I'm not a coach because to me, I just keep doing the same thing over and over again until you can prove you could stop it. Yeah, if it's if it's not broke, uh, don't fix it, right? Uh, so, Absolutely. Yeah, um, like I don't even know what else to say about this game, but it was just, it was tough to watch. Yep. Um, like that last drive got me excited, but then the doink, and it's just, uh, 
I just really want to move on to the next one, but yep. I'm, I'm scared. I'm also scared. That's <laughs> fine. That one too. We can move on. Obviously, no player of the week for this game. There was nothing in this. I mean, if we had to name one, maybe Tunde Delicate had the interception. I mean, there's also that. Yeah. They get an interception and a block punt and come away with zero right. points. In a game you lose by one point, that looms large. You cannot get those game and, and the, the, the interception took points off the board for the Argos. They were at least going to get three. I mean, I guess they were at least going to get one. But they were de- probably more than likely going to at least get three, probably get six. You take that off, and I know you know he intercepts in the end zone. It's a long field. All right, but the block punt they get the the, the block punt they got it in the Argos territory. Yeah, you got points on that one. You got to at least it. get three, right? And I yeah. think they gave up a sack and then an incomplete pass or something like that on the on the series. So it's like you you get a, a kind of a game altering play like that, and and in games like this where you lose by one. These types of things, missed extra point, missed opportunities, just you kind of they, they loom larger than they do in a game where you maybe lose by double digits or stuff like yeah. that. But I'm ready to wash my hands of this game if you're ready to wash your hands of it. And we can move on to mm-hmm. talking about the one bit of Ticats news that I think is kind of fun to talk about. And that is the semi-annual release of Negless players. Obviously, the Ticats, like every team in the league, released a butt ton of, I think it's 10 players in total. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but there were a couple of names for me that stood out. Uh, pair of quarterbacks, which, I mean, most of the, this list, I think it's six, five or six quarterbacks are on this list. Um, one is Jordan Te'amu, who is a quarterback from Old Miss, but most recently played in the XFL uh, and has been bouncing around on NFL practice rosters since the XFL folded. I remember him from mm-hmm. the XFL, the, the 2020 XFL season, and, and watching him play, he was pretty mobile. And I think... I always remember thinking he would probably be a pretty good quarterback in the CFL. So to see him on the necklace, I thought was kind of interesting. And the one, uh, the other one that stood out to me was Mackenzie Milton, who is a quarterback currently at Florida state. Uh, But most people might remember him from being the quarterback for the undefeated university of central Florida team. I believe it was 2017. Um, They went undefeated and claimed a national championship because they never got a chance to compete for the national championship. Actually finished eighth in Heisman voting that year. And then since then, it's been uh, rough for him. He dislocated his knee very severely in 2018 and then decided to transfer to Florida State for what is currently his senior season after rehabilitating that injury. Didn't want to go back to UCF, thought that the quarterback there was his team now. It was time for a move on. So he's at Florida State, pretty big school also the alma mater of Ticats legend Danny McManus. So there's a good thing there. But I think he's also someone who's a little bit undersized, but I think could actually be a pretty good prospect for the CFL. So both of those guys I have kind of interested in. Is there any name on here that kind of stood out to you or anyone you want to talk about or do you just want to move on? Well, I, I, uh, the Tamu guy. Yep, you, know, I you remember, remember him too? I remember him from the XFL yep. as well, and I, I, was, I can't remember what team he played for. I think it was the Battlehawks. Right? St. Louis, Louis right? That, see, that, that's the one I thought of too. Yeah. So I, I was impressed with how he played. There was a couple quarterbacks in the XFL that I thought were uh, pretty pretty good. Yeah, um, PJ Walker, including the one that's in the NFL right yeah, now. With the Panthers, too, as yeah, the Panthers, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, you know if he came to the CFL, I think that he would have a decent shot at uh, being a pretty good quarterback. So yeah, that's that's basically the only guy that really stood out to me. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the major CFL news from the week, and uh, that is Chris Jones former head coach of the Edmonton name redacted now Elks and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders has resurfaced as the, I think he's the defensive coordinator in Toronto, but I guess that's not really official yet, but it's 
kind of the rumor that's out there that's being speculated that he's he's going he's definitely in Toronto but we don't know what his position is going to be. This came about after the current Argos DC who unfortunately I forgot to write his name down and can't remember his name off the top of my head and defensive backs coach Josh Bell who I do remember uh were both put on leave because again the, this is kind of all rumor and innuendo at this point seems as if it's because they're not vaccinated against covid and MLSE has a policy that their employees have to be vaccinated against covid so they were put on leave jones looks like he's going to be taking the reins of the defense in toronto uh what do you think about this i mean chris jones is kind of a i'm i'm not even going to be polite here kind of a dickhead but he's a damn good defensive coordinator is he not yeah yeah he's a pretty polarizing figure for Um, sure you know lots of controversy around him in his days as a head coach and all that but but yeah, you're right. He uh, is one of the best D coordinators that this league has seen in a you know a long time. So he is unique. You know his defenses are very strange at times, but they work. So um, you know if he's the guy that's coming in, I don't think they're going to lose much of a step, or they might even get better on defense. So that's that's kind of scary. It is pretty scary because their defense, especially this past week against the Ticats, was pretty darn yeah. good, and they they have some. I know they have a lot of veteran guys there, but they didn't have Charleston Hughes, and they had some guys who filled in for him. I think his name was I think it was Eli Harold, who played yeah. great. That Oakman kid, he is he could be a future stud in the CFL. So yeah, mm-hmm. he's got some pieces there that I think um, I think would make the Argos a little scarier come uh, come you know pushing for the postseason. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with I, talent. Huh? Yeah, Loaded they with they talent. and and like I'm always. Uh, how do I put this? I'm kind of always like skeptical of teams when they add a bunch of talented players and you're just like, well, let's see if it all gels. And it hasn't really coalesced in Toronto yet, but you can kind of see the the skeleton, the bones there of like what could be a pretty good team if they can kind of keep these guys together. Maybe they're, I mean, it's CFL. They could get in the playoffs and make a great cup run just like anyone else can. We've seen mediocre teams and, and not so great teams do it. And I think the Argos are a fairly decent team. A um, little Jekyll and Hyde, kind of like the Cats in a way, but we'll we'll have to see how the season goes forward. But I think adding a guy like Chris Jones and his experience with what what is a pretty talented Argos defense, meh, I think it's pretty scary. Actually, I'm uh, I'm a little worried now that maybe the East won't be, uh, you know, running through Hamilton at the end of the season. Uh, that's a that's a possibility. You know, the way that they're both teams are looking right now, and you know, Montreal's a a, a bit of a question mark. Ottawa's obviously, you know the shits but um yeah <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be uh i think it's gonna be a battle and maybe not even if if hamilton can't get their you know what together yeah yeah i mean at least we're not ottawa then right that's true <laughs> i mean if you want to watch a good offensive um performance just you just got to play ottawa yeah I just mean, just just weeks. watch ottawa on defense and ottawa's defense yes. is pretty good but the offense is uh, I mean, that last right. game against BC, I watched maybe the first half of it before I fell asleep, and I was like, I don't even see the rest of this. This is over. And then uh-huh. the week before was Montreal shredded them for like 50. So it's like, ugh. Yeah, yeah Ottawa's... Yeah, they had some uh, key in- injuries on defense that uh, really hurt them. Yeah, and it's like... I know, I, know I, I, you know I rip on the Red Blacks, and I... It's kind of a shame what's what's happened to them, to be quite honest with you. Like, they had such high highs when they were that decent team for a couple of years there, and then they've... That goddamn general manager, Desjardins, just kind of gets in his own way and, and it just ruined that team. I, I, 
Do you think Lapolice is like long for the like? It feels like he's going to be scapegoated again, but they can't let Desjardins get another head coach, can they? No, no, no. This is obviously his fault. Like he has let so much talent go, and uh, you know, once the talent leaves, they say bad things about the 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 GM and the and the organization. So Paul Lapolice was put in a really tough spot here. I almost question if he should have passed on this job offer because, I mean. Uh, it, they're just a really, really bad team. And at what point, like I know getting a head coaching job is, it, there's not very many in the CFL, but at some point you kind of have to be like, I'll wait for the next one. Cause the next one is like, he could have been the head coach in Edmonton and look what he would have had there. I think La Police in Edmonton and that Elks team is way, way better. He's already had a shot in, in Winnipeg and they. Not with Trevor Harris. That guy's garbage. I just like, yeah. So what, what's what's with the beef with Trevor Harris? Well, it's like he he's so bad at home. Like I just <laughs> I'm watching this and I'm like, how are you even a quarterback? Like in this league, like you suck so bad. And it's just embarrassing. Like like I bring people to the game and he's just like he can't complete a pass. And you know maybe I'm oversimplifying things and maybe it's not all his fault. But um, you know I just I just was mad and i just went after him uh that night so um <laughs> i saw that it mad. made me chuckle <laughs> i'm like i don't know if mike's been drinking or if he's just angry but he is really <laughs> laying into trevor <laughs> harris a little bit of both, bit of both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but with la police as his, i mean and the thing is i yeah, i can't even say that because jamie elizondo was his offense coordinator in ottawa and he looked pretty decent with the red blacks yeah i don't know man maybe this is all just you know going back to your state of the league and how it's just it's just not good but like la police is he's had the opportunity in winnipeg and he got fired and everyone's like that wasn't his fault he was a scapegoat joe mack yada 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 and then he goes to ottawa and they're they're not even competitive like they're that's a bad football team like i know we we say our, our stuff about the cats especially this week when we're just we're disappointed in how they performed against the argos but i think even as currently constituted i think this cats team would win by 40 against ottawa like they Ottawa is yep. yep. so bad. Like, it, they're unwatchably bad. Yeah, they really are. I mean, at least they had the defense. Their defense was really good the, the first two weeks. But uh, after that, it's just been horrific. And, and uh, you know, Paul should have maybe stuck in Winnipeg for another year as the offensive coordinator, done his thing, maybe win another championship. And I'm sure there would have been some offers as a as a head coach the next year. Well, and this might... Maybe this is oversimplifying things, but with how Winnipeg's kind of run it back and isn't missing a beat, does that kind of lessen what we think of Paul Lapolis? Because he leaves, and that offense, I mean, it's a more dynamic passing offense. Zach Caleros yeah. might be. I mean, I know the MOP is a, uh, a quarterback-driven award. Zach Caleros might be at this point of the season the front runner for most outstanding player, even though I don't necessarily agree with that because I think he's been... I think this goes back to your what again. We're kind of always kind of going back to what you said at the top of the show, Dinkin and Duncan not really taking it, but he's he's the best quarterback on the best team without any sort of outstanding players right now. Like he could, he's kind of playing like Zach Calaris we saw in Hamilton. It's kind, isn't it? Not not an indictment of La Police, but kind of like oh, he didn't matter as much as maybe we thought with Winnipeg. And they didn't have Andrew Harris for the start of the year, and they still were able to run the ball, and they were still able to win games. Maybe the offensive genius that is Paul Lapolice isn't so isn't as impressive as as we kind of thought it was. 
that could be because you know Winnipeg won the Grey Cup um, because of defense and Absolutely. running the ball, running the ball with Andrew Harris, running the ball with uh, Chris Trevler. That really added a another dimension, you know, um, to their offense. That Chris Trevler would come in, you know, every second series or whatever it was, and he'd just run the ball down their throat. He's a big dude; he can run over people. Um, their passing offense was really bad in 2019. I mean, their leading receiver was Kenny Lawler. I think he had like 600 yards or something. So, um, yeah, maybe he is a bit overrated as an offensive mind. I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, okay, back to the Ticats. Let's preview Friday's game at Tim Hortons Field against the Calgary Stampeders. Bo Levi Mitchell is back. They looked really good in the Labor Day rematch against uh, Edmonton. Uh, I guess that's the game that you were at, where you're, uh, you're, you're anti, Serious. anti. anti you know, the, the most entertaining thing about that game was uh, they had a bunch of mascots at halftime. I don't know what they're doing on the field, but they were like people had to escort them down the stairs, and it was like right beside me, and it was just humorous to watch all these mascots get escorted because they couldn't see, you know, oh, step to not. step. That was the most entertaining thing about that game. That is a searing indictment of how that game was. But the Stamps looked good, uh, put up some points. Bo looked decent. That uh, The Stamps, maybe not looking like the Stamps of old, but they come into this with what? I think it's a 2-4 and four record. The Ticats are 2-3. and three. As we sit here and record on Wednesday night, we don't know who the starting quarterback for the Ticats will be. I think I saw a quote from Orlando Steinhauer that it's all going to be based on how Jeremiah Mazzoli feels. Uh but they have to announce the starter tomorrow uh, when the, the day before. They always have to show the depth chart, so we'll know tomorrow. Unfortunately, we can't wait to record until tomorrow, so we're doing it today. This was one of the games at the beginning of the year that I was worried about, and then I got less worried about as Calgary kind of took a bath and were in games and played decently but seemed to find a way to lose. Now where we don't know, if, it, if it's David Watford, I think that this is this is a giant uphill battle, I think, no matter who. But I think Mazzoli gives you a little bit better chance to win. But if it's Watford, I think this could be ugly, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. This uh, this doesn't feel like it's going to be much of a fun watch for us on Friday night. No, and I, I'm with you. If Mazzoli plays, like, you know, obviously Mazzoli gives us a better chance to win. But, you know, I go back to the offensive line again. If, if there's no protection for him and we're not running the ball and they're not giving holds for the running backs, then... I mean, we're going to have to win this one on defense and special teams, and that's that's a big ask. So I, I, I don't know, man. He, like, either quarterback, I think we might be in trouble. Is this, outside of the 2017 season with the 0-8 start, is this maybe the least confident or least excited you've been for a Ticats game in how who knows how long? Because, like, I'm I'm... I'm usually pretty optimistic. I'm I'm kind of dreading this one, quite frankly. This could be an ass kicking. Yeah, it could be. I mean, Bo, you know, came back from the injury. He looked pretty good last week. Um, he'll probably have, you know, be better uh, this week. He likes to play the Thai Cats. Calgary never lost. Likes to play the Thai Cats. It's um, yeah, never lost. So he's never lost yeah. the Thai Cats. So some something's. Here's the thing, though. This is the fun. This is so. Let's let's do something fun. This is. Something, some undefeated streak will end in this game. It's either Orlando Steinhauer's home winning streak or Bo Levi Mitchell's undefeated streak against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So one of those two things is going to fall on Friday. So, I mean, I guess that's something to sink our teeth into, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And 
who knows maybe they shock us but uh or maybe uh, it's a tie and we lo- and it's, it, but neither they're still both undefeated because it's a tie well, that that would yeah. be that would exa- be exactly <laughs> what happens I'd I'd better tie. than a loss <laughs> yeah it's better than a loss and you know um especially against this team that we just can't seem to beat um Especially in Calgary, but uh, you know it's it's tough at home as well. So um, they're I think they're a team on the rise. I think that they had a tough start, but you know Calgary always bounces back. It's it seems they always finish somewhere near the top of the league. So um, I hope we win, but I I don't think we will. Yeah, it's um yeah this is uh, this is a tough one. This is not. Uh... This has kind of been a downer episode. I'd be kind of be honest with yeah. you. If we said one positive thing, all all. For the whole forty-five minutes we've been recording, I don't think we have. I don't think so either. But uh, sometimes we have to have those episodes, Josh. You know, I the know important people listen to the podcast and they have to hear. It. <laughs> <laughs> they need the truth, the unvarnished truth. Um, right. Let me think. Let me let me think if we can end this on a positive note. What what could we say positive just in general? Uh, oh, uh, positive tie cats related thing. Uh, a friend of mine. Uh, so you know how I've been going through my grandfather's uh, baseball cards. Ooh. Yes, sorry. I have a story as well after You got yours. something too? So, Perfect. So I found, uh, through those, I found a bunch of CFL cards. Um, I found a, I found some ones that looked like they came out of Vachon, like Vachon, like, like cake boxes, which is kind of neat. I'll post some pictures online when I get a chance to. But a friend of mine, uh, oddly enough, their, their father just got gifted a bunch of cards. And she sent me a picture and she's like, I have this autographed card from a Ticats offensive lineman by the name of Daryl Harley, he was number sixty three. It's it's signed. It's signed in pen, which I find very bizarre because who signs stuff in pen? But it's from the same set that I have my stuff from. So she's like, "Hey, if you wanted it, yours." So I'm gonna get an autographed Daryl Harley card from uh, from my friend who I used to work with. So I thought that was kind of neat. So that's my that's my one uh, positive tie cat story for the day. So what do you got? So after the game. The disappointing uh, Edmonton Elks game on the weekend. I I went to the the local establishment across the street from the stadium and had a had a beer, and uh, I was sitting outside just minding my own business, kind of deal. This older guy sat down beside me. I had my tie cat hat on. I, I noticed he kind of looked at my looked at my hat, kind of looked away. We didn't talk for a little bit, and then we started talking about the game or whatever. And he, he mentioned he's a big tie cat fan. It goes back to like the 70s. He was at the uh, Grey Cup in 1986 where the Ticats beat the snot out of uh, Edmonton. Yep. And uh, he was impressed with my knowledge about the Ticats, and I just mentioned, uh, yeah, I do a podcast with my buddy. As soon as I said that, he goes, Podsky Wee Wee. Oh! Go, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, yeah, I listen to your show. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. So it's always cool to, to meet people that listen to the show out in the wild. Did you get a name? Uh, I did get a name, but I can't remember. I remember he was leaving. I was like, wait, what's your name? And then he said it. And then <laughs> and then you forgot. Then, what's your name? I'll give you a shout out on the show. And then I forgot his yeah, name. And then well, I forgot. But maybe... he knows who he is. Real good guy. Real nice guy. I had a great long conversation with him about Ticat. I love talking to Ticat fans that go back a ways. And you can tell tell the stories of, uh, you know, Ticat teams that were before my time. So it, it, was, a, it was a really nice conversation. That is awesome. Uh, we actually just got a new, uh, I guess, got a new colleague at work. The during his orientation, he was being walked around the store, and he was wearing a Ty Cats mask. And I go, Ty Cats fan? He goes, uh, Yeah. I go, We're gonna get along swimmingly. He goes, I got, I can do you one better than that. And he rolled up his his pant leg. He's got the Ty Cats logo uh, on his like calf tattooed. Nice. So I was nice. like, 
yeah, we, uh, you I and play. I are going to get along just fine. So uh, there you go. There, there are our positive stories uh, for the for the week. We wanted to end it on a on a good note. So uh, there we are. So uh, that was Podscube for this week. I'm Josh Smith, and I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.